0: All right, all right. Good morning, church. Go and have a seat. Oh, man. What a weekend. What a weekend it has been. It has been a crazy weekend. <laughs> Some of these kids got about one hour sleep. Some of them got eight. Somewhere in between. And uh, here we are. So uh, if you're just walking in on this, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> But real, for real, if you are visiting this morning, uh, it's like this all the time. That's no, it's not, actually. Uh, we, have, we have the end of our youth rally this weekend. We have rallied the youth from around Oregon, uh, and that's what many of the people up front here are this morning. They are from all sorts of congregations, and we have spent this weekend praying, and we have spent this co- weekend singing praises to our God to the point of our voices are completely gone, and that's why I'm talking super manly right now, and... We have learned about Jonah. We have studied God's word, and we have read through the first three chapters of Jonah. And so this morning, we're going to come to a close with our rally, our theme, and we're going to be in Jonah chapter four. So if you're reading along, uh, that's where you're going to be in your Bible this morning. If you need a quick recap, if you're a fast reader, you'll probably get it while I'm giving some announcements. So you can go there now and just, you know, be caught up with us. We have a lot of kids here from a lot of places and so I'm just going to ask them to make some noise here really quick and I'm going to probably forget a couple places so I'm just going to ask who did I forget and then please let me know. But um, if you're from Kaiser, could you please make some noise? Yeah. There they are, alright. If you are from uh, Prineville, could you please make some noise? Yeah. There's Prineville, alright, alright. If you're from Roseburg, would you please make some noise? If you're from Eugene, would you please make some noise? My people, go ducks, okay. And <laughs> if you're from Corvallis, please make some noise. If you're uh, if you are yo yo yo, if you are from Klamath Falls, make some noise. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Kiki! <laughs> if you are from Medford, make some noise. Okay, I called one out, then maybe I shouldn't have. Alright. <laughs> okay. Uh, is anybody here from the rest of Central Oregon? Ben Redmond? Ben Redmond, make some noise. Prime, I already said Prineville. Who'd I, who'd I, Grant's Pass. Well, I meant that when I said, oh, there's my mic. I meant that, I meant that when I said the other one. No, I didn't. Okay. Grant's Pass, make some noise. There we go. All right. Well, who else we got? Do we have anybody else? Yeah, where is Redmond? I should FaceTime Chris Goodman right now. Where are you? I'm not going to, I'm not gonna do that to them on a Sunday morning. We have people from all over Oregon. We have people from all over the place and it's been great. I'm so grateful that they're here. They have been an awesome group of kids. Now you all just need to know that. They have been an amazing group of kids. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, no. I have a few general announcements that I'll forget if I if I leave them to the very end. Um, if you participated in our marbling, please make sure that you uh, pick up your marbling paper, and you don't even have to get it sewn in uh, to your book. But it's pretty cool, right? Make sure you get that uh, from the the booth out there. If you were upstairs, ladies, make sure, you please, you've collected all your belongings from upstairs before you leave. Um, <clears throat> And uh, I definitely don't want to forget this one, Uh, but when we we close here, there's going to be a potluck, and I'm going to ask for a couple things. One, uh, the kids and I have a plan, and we need that plan to go into effect, and so if you are not one of our students, uh, students, if you're not one of our... I'm a public school teacher, sorry. <laughs> our kids here, our kids here, if, you're not, if you were not part of this weekend and you're not part of that plan, would you allow them to please go forward and, and get ahead of you because we, we need to crowd in there a little bit and we need to express some love uh, before we eat. And so I ask that that can happen. Um, and also some of these kids have a drive back home and so they need to get going. The last thing I, is there's some thank yous needed. Um, I for some reason was allowed to direct this rally, <laughs> and, uh, and that requires an extreme amount of patience and grace and flexibility from some very nice people, and, and so I'm just going to thank a couple of them publicly right now, and that is first to my song leaders, Jesse and Dylan. Haven't they been incredible? And it's not like they sent me their song list and I made it for them. I said there's songs up there, go. And they're like, wait, when? And I said, yeah, at four. And then I said, oh, by the way, in two minutes, and then in two minutes as well. What do you mean in two minutes? Oh yeah, there's an extra set of songs I forgot to tell you about last time. This has been all weekend, and they have just been so flexible and gracious to me, folks. They're they're wonderful. Love you, brother. You're okay. <laughs> I love them both. It has also been a weekend of of many people getting up and trying things for the first time, me included. I've never actually ran a rally. Spoilers. I've ran camps. Uh, Rallies are a little different. Uh, And we have song leaders jumping in, trying this this new song leading thing, and they've been doing awesome. Mike has been a godsend back there, running our AV. Which has also been nothing but a continuous strain of curveballs. Hey Mike, can we have that projector up there? Can we turn this on? Actually, I want to flip this back and forth. And just Lights on, lights off, and he's just been going. Yeah, videos running, double video happening at once. My fault. Veggie tales By the way, I need to play this DVD. Oh, by the way, it's not a normal DVD. <laughs> it's been crazy. Um, and then I think the biggest cheer of all, and there, many of them are not in this room right now, but we need to make some noise for the kitchen. Uh, Who else gets you Cinnabon cinnamon rolls? Come on. The work that these people do is incredible. And, and just all these, uh, there's been countless hands. Uh, the list is huge. How, like, half this congregation has been here this weekend. Just, what do you need? Can I move a table for you? Do you need me to drive some people home? How about for our host families? Give it up for them. Okay, I do have to preach here pretty soon, but the other person who has made this weekend happen, because literally, guys, I'm about this much of it Denise Foreman. She has worked tirelessly to make sure you have a place to stay, that everything is working, that you're safe, that this building is operating properly for you. She has been incredible and held my hand through this. And there's just been countless people, and if I'm forgetting you right now, I'm so sorry, but there's been so many people helping and making sure this event runs smoothly. And so I thank you for that. Oh, one last more. Standing right here in front of me, this cool stuff. The Staley's have been incredible this weekend out there, haven't they? All that... And the games, the games, yeah, 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 okay. There's been there's been so many cool people here this weekend, so thank you, really, uh, it's been incredible. Thank you for making this happen for the kids. Okay, now if you're joining us and you're visiting today, you're like, do they ever actually get into the Word of God? Yes, that time is now. Uh, we are in Jonah chapter... For we have been discussing who this Jonah person is, that Jonah is a man consumed by fear, that Jonah is a man who is confused, Jonah is a man who knows God but just can't take the concept that is God's mercy and grace. So we find ourselves in Jonah chapter 4, the culmination, Jonah has ignored God he has run away from God. It is a ridiculous notion, and yet he does it. And he finds himself where most people find themselves when they run away from God, staring right back in his face, because you cannot run from God. Instead, God says, "Pause." and he finds himself in the belly of a whale or a fish or a large sea creature. And God gives, God provides, He provides time. He provides some quiet time for Jonah. Jonah gets to think. Jonah gets to consider. Jonah gets to pray. Jonah gets a second chance covered in fish vomit. <laughs> Yummy. And Jonah goes back to Nineveh, begrudgingly maybe, but he does it. He goes back to Nineveh. He goes back to the call that he was given, and he preaches what he was supposed to preach, a one-sentence sermon, 40 days and you will be overturned. And then that annoying thing happened where they actually repented. And and we find in chapter 4, that's the problem. That's Jonah's hang-up. Because God does some amazing things. With one sentence, Jonah's prophecy comes true. Nineveh was overturned, but not how he wanted it to. They were overturned in their hearts. Even the cows. Come on, God. You could have at least left the cows out of it. Nope. Even the cows. Jonah thought this was wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. See, he even knew he couldn't outrun him. He just tried to pause it. He tried to put it on brakes. He fled to Tarshish. What? He fled to Tarshish because this is what he knew was going to happen. Hindsight is 20, 20. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who resents, relents, relents from sending calamity. (sighs) Now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. And this is kind of what makes me wonder when we were talking earlier this weekend, when he threw himself, you know, allowed himself to go overboard. Maybe it wasn't as as a selfless act as maybe we think. Maybe he was just trying to end it all right then there, too. But the Lord replied, Is this right? Is this right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited. Just wanted to watch the world burn in front of him. Surely, surely this isn't going to happen this way. Surely their destruction is imminent. Then the Lord provides. Right, kids? the Lord provides. He provides a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah is happy. That word has not shown up (laughs) this weekend very much, has it? Jonah's happy about his plant. Thanks, God. Even when he's in the belly of the whale, did he really apologize? Was he really happy? I don't know. But at dawn the next day, God provides. God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered and when the sun rose, God provides. God provides a scorching east wind and the sun blazes on Jonah's head and he grows faints and he wants to die even more and he says it would be better for me to die than to live. Is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? It is. I'm so angry I wish we were Dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. You did not tend to it. You did not make it grow. It sprang up overnight. It died overnight. And should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from the left? Also the animals. Also the cows, Jonah. Just like it's like a dagger at the end. And the animals. God has a sense of humor. I love it, and that's the end of the story. It just, that's it. There's, did, I, did you like? Sometimes you want to like flip to the next page. It's like, am I missing a page? Just when it was getting started, there's the end. Jonah chapter four to me, it's the most important chapter for us to take away from the story. It fascinates me because it just ends so abruptly. Jonah acts so bizarre compared to other prophets of the Lord, doesn't he? I mean, when I say Jonah as a prophet, it's like after you realize who and what he is, it's really kind of like, do we have the right guy? I don't think we do. He's not like other messengers. And what's with this worm and this plant? Why is he so angry about God's mercy? He's so angry about God's grace. There's so many questions. And then at the same time, we're kind of left with a better understanding of the qualities of our Lord. It's a weirdly, oddly, great chapter of the Bible. It is just odd. This is my favorite part, I think, of almost all of the Bible, save for Jesus Christ, of course. That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were compassionate. You're slow to anger. You're bounding in love. A God who relents from calamity. The main reason for his running, the main reason for his fear, is he knows God is merciful. His fear, above all, was based on the likelihood of success in warning Nineveh and that God would be himself and that there would be no destruction. A lack of justice. A clear message that everybody is capable of the saving grace of God. A subtle message that maybe God isn't reserved for one special nation or lineage. For Jonah, success was defined by failure. There are a lot of takeaways from Jonah 4, but I want to focus on that point this morning. For Jonah, success is a definition. Success was defined by failure, and so we have to ask ourselves, because as we learned this morning, Jonah is just a giant mirror. It's a question God is posing to us. How do we define success? Is success when justice is served? What if success looks differently than we're expecting is success, mercy, and grace? My wife and I, a few months, me this was a year ago now, got into watching this show called Parks and Recreation. I think I forgot to put a slide, there it is. The show follows a Parks and Recreation department of a small, less-than-ideal town in Indiana. They, of course, get into ridiculous antics, it's a comedy. One of the characters, the main character, Leslie Nope, she's very type A. She's a go getter. She loves government work. At one point in the show, she gains a position as a city councilor, and she has a campaign. And her campaign slogan is Are you better than you were a year ago? Now, her goals in the show are to make healthy choices for a city that previously has a boast of being the new home of a new type of diabetes. <laughs> not a great campaign slogan for that town. Her campaign backfires. There's horrible changes that the town disagrees with, getting rid of 60 million gallon tubs of 7up, you know, like you know, the, the big super duper gulps. It's an interesting question to ask ourselves, though, as we move forward. Well, we're now in February of a new year. Are we better off than we were a year ago? This can be a tough question to ask ourselves, but it really comes down to a second question, which is, how do we define that? How do we define failure and success in our life? How do we define better? This is hard for me because a couple of you, well, very few of you would probably know my family, the Bormans, not Christina and my son Dean and I, but my father's side of the family. And one thing that we really struggle with is what we call being all-or-nothing Bormans. If we're going to get into skiing, we're going to buy all the gear. We're going to go up to the mountain, and we're going to go up to the Black Diamond. <laughs> and we're going to come home in a cast. <laughs> How hard could it be? <laughs> I went snowboarding with my dad once. Oh, this is not fair. He's not in the room. I'm roasting him right here. But he, he decided that he wanted to try snowboarding with me. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. Yeah, I do. He's like, I skateboarded when I was 17. I was really good at it. It's the same thing. It's a board. It's on snow instead of asphalt. It's got to be a little easier, right? I said, okay. Those of you who have gone snowboarding know the first day is learning to fall. That's all it is. He was sore. (laughs) But he got all the gear. He was ready to go, and a season later, he had a lot of gear to sell. (laughs) We do this. We're all or nothing Bormans. That is what success is sometimes to us. We're all in or we have failed, and that is a difficult thing to maintain. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we define the difference between failure and success? How do we measure our failures and our successes? How do we measure success? I have two stories for you. Okay, I guess I have a couple. I already told you some stories, didn't I? The first one is about a drummer. And his name was Pete, Pete was a very good drummer, Pete Best was his name, for those of you who know him now, you know where I'm going probably a little bit. Pete Best was the drummer for a band called The Beatles, when they first got started, and they toured a little bit and they were getting a little popular, and one day the manager of their group said, this is a pretty good group, except that guy. Now, he's not going to work with the image here. Fire him. And so he fired Pete Best. And then the Beatles took off. You may have heard of them once or twice, right? (laughs) Right. You may have heard of the Beatles, John Paul George Ringo. Not Pete Best. For Pete Best, this devastated his life for a long time. Pete Best was defined by his failure. He had depression. He drank. And then he said, you know what? This is not how I'm going to measure my success in my life. And he turned it around. He got married. He had kids. He settled down. And later on in his life when he was interviewed and they said, do you regret? Do you regret? Is this, a, is this the failure of your life? And he said, you know what? No. I don't regret it at all, and it is not the failure of my life. I am a very great success in life, actually. I have a family. I have kids. I have stability. Something that the rest of the Beatles would not really always have in their lives. For Pete Best, success was defined by having a happy family and a quiet life. And he moved forward from failure. There's another drummer out there who had something very similar happen to him. His name was Dave, and he was the drummer for a band called Metallica. Very uh, big, we can define it a couple different ways, but kind of thrashy, metal-y, hard rock band. And the exact same thing happened to him. He was fired from the group right before they made it big. And instead of settling down, he chose to create his own band. And it's, I think, Megadeth, I believe, is what's called. I can't, it's been a while now. Whoop! Megadeth, Megadeth yeah. Uh, and they became huge, too. But if you sat down with Dave, he would tell you to this day that it is not okay until his band is bigger than Metallica. It is not okay. His life is defined by that moment in failure. He's hung up on it. He can't let it go. It doesn't matter how big his band gets. He will always measure his success based on the success of that other group, and he has to be better. Now, if you're not into thrash metal bands, if you're not a fan of that, and if you're not interested in the history of the Beatles, then luckily we have Jonah to highlight that same question this morning. You see, Jonah has missed the point. Jonah was a prophet. Never really got it. No, no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched the little veggie tales. <laughs> God asks him, Do you have a right to be angry? The answer is a resounding no. Our God is a merciful God. But no, not for Jonah. It's not right. It's not fair. His righteousness is not justified in a merciful God. And he's not alone, at least when it comes to stories in the Bible. Jesus paints a similar picture when he talks about the prodigal son, the wayward son squandering his inheritance, the running, the brokenness, the return to the father. It's all there, and at the end, there's the older brother who just can't let it go It's not enough that he is successful. There must be justice served. Mercy and grace are not part of his metrics for success. And if that's not going to happen, then he wants no part of it. Party without me. This isn't right. Jonah's metric for success doesn't include mercy. It does not include grace. And so God mercifully gracefully attempts to get through to Jonah as Jonas throws Jonas, Jonah throws his tantrum and he tells the Lord just kill me already What? This story is so topsy-turvy it's just it's like this whole weekend in a nutshell like what's this whale doing here? Just kill me already. It's just chaos. I don't agree. I don't want to. I'm broken. Oops. No. God provides. God provides a whale. God provides a plant. God provides a lack of a plant. God provides a dose of perspective for Jonah. This is my son. Isn't he cute? I took this picture took this picture when he was throwing a tantrum, because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> the poor kid has a, has a father with a master's degree in education and a mother with a master's degree in education. He is doomed. <laughs> And I took the picture because he had never done it before. Our son is great. I love him. He's so cute. He's the happiest little kid. We are so blessed. And he just, it was over something so dumb. And he just threw himself on the ground. (laughs) Daddy! (laughs) Parents are laughing because they've been there in the cereal aisle. I just take a picture of it and I send it to Christine and I'm like, yeah, you can't believe what our son's doing. Jonah throws a full-blown tantrum and God just provides some perspective. <laughs> look at yourself. Okay, I can't leave it on that. He's really an angel. <laughs> All right, <isn't> Thank you. <laughs> I'll just leave that up there. You can just look at that if you're tired of hearing my voice. What's the metric for success in our lives? Okay, I'll change it. What's your metric of success? What's my metric of success? Is it money? Is it a job? Is it a spouse? Is it good health? Is it fame? I'll be honest, church. I didn't realize I was just checking boxes until I checked all of them and realized how good I have it. Now what? What? Oh my gosh! I was just go to school, go to college, get a wife, get a job, get a family. I have it all now. What's my metric of success? (laughs) And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying I've I've reached a crisis in my life. Like now, what? What? Where is my steering? I always had a clear trajectory. Clearly, it's pointing somewhere different. It's different for everyone. I said we were watching that Parks and Rec show, Leslie Nope's campaign, during that time there's this big discussion that ensues in her department about reflecting over years and kind of the uh, butt end of jokes in the, in the show, Gary or Jerry, depending, <laughs> they never get his name right. In fact, they find out later that they've been saying it wrong for years. He's had a desk job for 40 years and people think, man, you must be miserable, and he says, no, I took this job so I can spend time with my family and my beautiful wife. I love my job because my metric of success is my family. Unlike Ron Swanson, the man's man, his metric of success is no change. If he has not changed from last year to this year, he has been a successful human being. I think many of you can relate. Maybe, maybe. Much like Ron Swanson's, Jonah's metric for success was the status quo. Everything as usual. Israel and God, God and Israel. Pagans are bad. Do not rock the boat. But if you've read much of the Bible, that's not how the God works. God is constantly rocking the boat. He doesn't just rock the boat. He capsizes the boat. He smashes it into rocks. He walks on top of the water and says, forget your boat. I don't need your boat. When we create our metric of success, whether consciously or not, we have to ask ourselves, what does God measure as success, don't we? Matthew 25 gives us a little dose of perspective. He says again, it'll be like a man, this is uh, Jesus giving a parable, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, to another one each bag according to his own ability, each person according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once, and he put his money to work, he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returns and settles accounts. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. He said, Master, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share my happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge with many things. Come and share my happiness. Then there's the man who received one bag of gold. Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds, so I was afraid. There's that word again. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. What's wrong with that? master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. You should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I'd at least have a little bit of interest. So he takes the bag of gold from him. He gives to the one who has the 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken. Throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Success is using what little has been given. We have a merciful and gracious Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Use what has been given and extend it to those around you. As you leave today, I want you to meditate on some questions because these are questions Jonah had to grapple with. Jonah struggled with this concept of success, because Jonah had been given a lot. And yet he really struggled to extend that gift back. When he j- jumped into the water, should have been death, he was given a second chance. Our God is a God of second chances, is he not? Amen again. And yet, when the same opportunity is afforded to Jonah, where's the mercy? Where's the grace? It's not there. What is success? What is success for us, church? Is it filled pews? Is it a charismatic speaker? You're like, not after you get off the stage, Tyler. (laughs) Is it baptisms? Is it community outreach programs? Is it moving forward? Is it progress? Or is it holding firm to tradition? I have no answers for you. These are to meditate on. And finally, the biggest one of all, what is success according to Christ? This weekend, we looked at the story of Jonah. We looked at what that means in our lives. Most of us know Jonah as the guy who got swallowed by a large fish. But this story requires meditation. That's why I come back to it. That's when they said, Tyler, do you want to speak? I was like, yeah, I want to speak. What are you going to speak on? Jonah. I didn't even have to think about it. It's like if I was ever to speak at a rally, it would always be on Jonah if I could. I feel like I could do this three times over, completely different lens each time. This story requires meditation. It requires application. Because at some point in our lives, we will pull a Jonah. It's not a great thought, is it? That bloop was good. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. that was Maybe you won't physically fall into some water and get swallowed by a giant sea creature. Yeah. Although that's something Barbosa knows a lot about, don't you, Barbosa? How are you there? <laughs> But at some point, church, we will all pull a Jonah if we haven't pulled it 500 times over already. This story, this story is for runners. This story is for people who are scared, scared of God's power, scared of God's mercy, scared of God's grace. This is for proud people. This story is for fearless people. This story is for righteous people who think they're better than everybody else. And this story is also for meek people who need to rise above it. It's for the sinners and it's for the complainers, the whiners. Just kill me, God. It's contented people. It's for justified people. It's for restless. It's for the redeemed. It's Jonah's story, but it is our story. It's God's story and we are part of it and nothing can change God's plan. Nothing can change God's purpose. Nothing can change God's power. Amen? Group, thank you so much for being here this weekend. I hope it's been edifying to you. I hope you've learned from this story. I hope you have something to take back to your congregation. I hope you're energized. After you get some sleep, of course. If you have any needs this morning... We have people here at this church who want to help you. If you need to be prayed for, if you need to find some new direction, if you've pulled a Jonah, and it's time to just pause, to pray, and to renew your commitment, you can come forward as we stand and we sing a song of invitation.